Parenthood is a time of so much change for you and your baby. A little reliable information can go a long way towards making this new life a good life. I'm Jessica Rolfe, and this is My New Life, a Love Every Podcast. I've spent the last 45 Christmases in Minnesota with my parents. My husband Decker is a good sport. And while the homemade eggnog and spice pecans are still happening this year, we aren't traveling. Being with my parents and family is what makes the holidays so special to me. And it just isn't happening. It feels sad and lonely. Joining me today to help propel us into the holidays with a little more cheer is Dr. Zilana Momini, a behavioral scientist and positive psychologist. She is the author of 21 Days to Resilience, How to Transcend the Daily Grind, Deal with the Tough Stuff, and Discover Your Strongest Self. Okay, so give me like the, we're the top five things that resilient people do (laughs) to get them through these hard times. I think before even going through tips, I think it's really important that people understand what resilience really is, because I think there's a misconception in our, in our culture that resilience is, you know, about the hustle and it's about kind of people who are able to push through and persevere. And, you know, I think it's important to understand that what resilient people do really, really well is they're able to take their challenges and their pain and actually use them, use the challenge to their advantage and to, um, you know, to grow and to strengthen from something learned, something gained in a very sort of, um, sometimes it's, it's unintentional, but most of the time it's, it's purposeful. So that's what resilience is. It's, it's our, really, it's our ability to grow from our challenges. And so, when you think about it that way, it's not just about our ability to hustle and persevere and to keep going. And actually, resilient people are are really good at finding pause and breaks within their work and, and their lives and are able to therefore, you know, rest and reboot effectively and efficiently in order to problem solve and to do what they need to do and to be at their best. Um, so when you say sort of like tips for resilience, there's lots of things that we can do to work on that skill set. Um, and I think that's also important to understand that resilience is not something we're born with or without. It's something that we cultivate and we have to practice. And it's, it's really very much like a muscle that goes into atrophy if we don't, if we're not conscious of it and if we don't continually work on it. Um, and so there's different ways to work on resilience, but I think one of the best ways is acceptance. And I have a whole chapter on acceptance in my book, but I think, you know, first and foremost, it's accepting the circumstances of where we're at and, and what, what we can control. Right. And then really focusing in on, you know, what, how, how do I want, how do I choose to prioritize my intentions and how do I choose to move forward um, with, with, with what I, what I need and what I want, what my children's needs are, um, et cetera. And, um, so I, I think acceptance is a big piece of it. I think, you know, we just passed Thanksgiving. We're in the holiday season. I think gratitude is right up there on the list. Um, gratitude really sort of hones in on, on us focusing on what we have versus what we don't have and finding, 
um, the beauty in what we already do have. And I think that's kind of been the silver lining and, and sort of the the underlying blessing during the pandemic is to realize how how much we already have, right? And and how much we can do with what we have. Um, and so I think cultivating gratitude in a way that's adaptive for, for you and your family is, is really important. And I say that because I don't necessarily think you have to have like a gratitude journal and write in it every single day. And if you can, and if you have the bandwidth for that, great. But there's other things that can be done, little things here and there that can still cultivate gratitude. And I think when, when it comes to children, remember they're watching. So it's not just about telling them like, you know, be grateful for, for that because you really need to be grateful. It's more about us vocalizing our gratitude in front of them and talking a lot about gratitude. That's what's going to cultivate gratitude in our children more so than telling them to be grateful. We messaged out to our Instagram community and 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 asked, you know, what kind of questions do you have for Zilana? And one of the questions was, is I'm feeling increased frustration and the short fuse as a parent, and my baby is picking up on this. Um, what are some, you know, what are some tips? And I think you're you're getting into some of it, but it would also be helpful to think about how can we cultivate that resilience in our toddlers. So how can we cultivate resilience yeah. in our as a parent and then also in our toddlers, babies? I think it's a little bit more uh, nebulous. Is my yes. Guess. Yes. It's nebulous with, with babies, but I think with toddlers and, and older, um, you know, and yes, children feel everything. Babies, babies, newborns on up. Um, so they know what's happening within us. And I think one of the things that I see with parents is that, you know, we, we try to kind of keep our resilience process internal. Um, and we try our best to show up in front of our children in a certain way. And I think what we've seen in the research and what I've certainly seen in my work is that when we're able to narrate our resilience process in front of our children, they pick up on those skills and it becomes part of their narrative and their, their behavioral process. So for example, um, you're feeling really overwhelmed, okay? There's a lot going on. You have a lot on your plate. And your toddler um, or older child is, you know, within, you know, in the room and you kind of take a moment, you're trying to breathe, you're trying to figure it all out. Um, You, you go, you know, you call a friend or do something else to, to kind of get your head together. And then you kind of hit your to-do list. We do that in silence and then we kind of smile through it and play with our kid and then we move on. The whole time our child's essentially watching us and trying to figure out why is mom a little off or dad a little off and what's happening and okay, now they're here, now they're not. You know, If we are able to articulate that process and literally say, okay, mommy is frustrated, you know, with kind of, you know, and, and be really open about it, even from toddlers on up and, and mommy is frustrated. So mommy is going to jump up and down five times. Oh, and now I'm feeling a little silly. In fact, I'm going to turn on some music and have a little two second dance party. Do you want to dance with me? Okay, let's dance. And oh gosh, mommy feels so much better. I'm actually smiling. Wow. Okay. Mommy feels better. You know, and, and really just narrate that process. And there's been many times where I've told my kids who are eight and six and, and my, my baby, but I haven't told my baby as much, but you know, I'm like, Hey, mommy needs a mommy timeout. I need to take a deep breath. I need, I'm feeling very frustrated right now. 
and I'm not in a good space to communicate with you. So I'm going to walk away. And when I come back, my head will be clearer, you know, or gosh, I'm feeling really um, upset by this situation. And so I'm going to do X, Y, and Z to try to figure it out. You know, so it's almost like you're narrating your process, you're narrating your problem solving, you're narrating your mindfulness, you're narrating how you calm down because our kids are watching anyway. And what happens is there's a gap where we don't tell them what we do to feel better or what we do to cope. And so they're trying to pick up the pieces. I think that's so great and helpful to hear that, you know, you can actually help yourself and by narrating and also help your children, you know, yes. in the process. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I find one of the hardest things is to see one of my children disappointed or sad or okay. frustrated by something that really is kind of either a natural consequence or something that happens in their world that I just want to step in and solve it. And I just want to stop their hurt. But I would love to hear how we can help them kind of lean into that failure or lean into that moment and not solve it for them. Isn't that part of resilience? A hundred percent. When we jump in to try to placate or to try to make them quote, feel better, we're essentially telling them that they're not capable of doing it themselves. And that applies to everything. So when, you know, you have your, your toddlers trying to put on their jacket and you're late and, you know, you need to get out of the house and, It's so like, it's just the subconscious thing we do as parents. We just do it for them. But something that simple essentially tells them that they can't. And so, you know, when we're able to sit with a discomfort, we can talk, we, we tell them we're essentially messaging to them non-verbally that, you know what, we do believe that they can do it. They just need a little more time, right? Or they just, they can't yet. And yet being the key word there. Um, So being able to let them sit with the discomfort and try to figure out the discomfort themselves helps them practice resilience and essentially create a toolbox for dealing with these tougher emotions that is just part of the human experience that we tend to just sort of demonize as we get older, but is very healthy and normal and natural to experience. Yeah. And it really, that if we can exercise that muscle, I wish I had exercised it more when they were young, because I think it really starts to play out in a bigger way when they get older. A hundred percent. Yes. When they're young, as, as the earlier, the better, even with babies, we can start to let them feel a little uncomfortable. That doesn't mean, you know, you let your kid cry for hours on end, but if they're trying to reach for a toy and they can't quite get to it, just take a deep breath and pause before you hand them the toy. Because maybe just that extra second of pause, will it will be when they actually are able to reach their body forward and grab the toy. And those neurological connections that they're making and doing it themselves it is so much greater than anything that they get when you're giving them something. So then what are some tools to help them deal with this discomfort? We help our children deal with discomfort when we are able to be there as sort of a, a guide, um, but not saving them from the discomfort or ever pulling them out of the discomfort. For example, your your toddler is really frustrated because they're trying to do something themselves. They're trying to, let's say, they're trying to pour water into a cup from a pitcher, okay? And um, it's it's spilling and they're getting really frustrated you know, most parents at that point would jump in and, and, and say, oh, you know, you're spilling the water here. Let me help you. Let me do it. 
one, one way that we can actually cultivate resilience in that moment is just to narrate the experience for them and say like, Hey, you, you're, I, I see you're having a hard time. If they are articulating frustration, if your child is not articulating frustration and they just keep trying, but the water is spilling everywhere, that's actually something a little bit different because they're, they're, they still believe that they're going to do it. And so you ride with that feeling. So let's just say for the first example, they still believe that they can do it. They're not frustrated yet, but water is spilling everywhere. And you just sit with that. You don't even offer a solution yet, right? Because they might say, they might, you know, reach for it if you have a, a kitchen towel nearby or, you know, they might do something that could surprise you. If not, at that point, if it's just like becoming a lake <laughs> and it's just too much, you could say, I see you've got the water in the cup. You know, I also see water on the floor. I'm going to take this towel. Can you help me clean up the water on the floor? You know, and so, and then, and then you're kind of articulating like you did it. You got the water in the cup. You're not going crazy and applauding and, and going over the top with praise. You're just narrating and articulating in an exciting way, the experience, and you're sort of mirroring their experience of it. Now, if they're extremely frustrated and they are crying or screaming or having a really hard time, you know, you articulate that as well. You're having a really hard time. You're frustrated. You're frustrated. You can't get the water into the cup yet. Can mommy help you? Here's how I'm going to help you. I'm going to take your hand because I know you can do this and I'm going to guide the pitcher with you. And then the next time, can you try? Can you try yourself? You know, so you're giving them moments. You're, you're there. You're st- and sometimes you just stand there with them. You don't even have to jump in. I'm just going to stand here and watch. I'm just going to help you by being, by being here for you. You know, and you can just articulate that as opposed to just jumping in and doing it for them. You have such great tips. I so appreciate the examples too. It really helps it come alive. And I can just imagine you with Ella doing all of this <laughs> at the table. So sweet. So I want to pivot and talk about how we connect with our parents or our parents-in-law. We're approaching the holidays and maybe, you know, they don't agree with our parenting style or, you know, our approach to handling COVID. You know, for example, you're, you're, you might be going to see family in their home, like your, your parents in their home, and they're expecting your child to stay seated at the table for the whole meal, or, you know, they're planning a dinner that that bumps up against bedtime. Yes. You know, or they, or they act disappointed when you stick to your, you know, when you say that you need to set those boundaries. And it's just like this general feeling of just not feeling like they approve of your parenting choices. What does resilience look like in this case? So in this case, and this is so common, but resilience and, and really parenting from a place of, of power and, you know, sort of um, wholeness is, sticking to what you believe is true and right for your family. And sometimes there are cases where flexibility obviously is important and those can be really minor things. But for the most part, overall, your children, your family, your parenting, and um, understanding that your in-law's perspective is really rooted in their own parenting experience. And maybe there's There's things that they believe strongly in or things that they did not do as parents that still haunts them and they're projecting sort of their experience onto you. Whatever it is, it's not your burden to carry. 
And so it's really important that we understand that whatever is, is being expressed toward us is theirs. It's theirs to carry. And that we take on only what we allow. And, and it, I know that's really hard <laughs> to do in real life, but really, really important nonetheless. And to really stick to what you believe is right and what is right for your children because you are the parent ultimately and no one else can dictate um, your, you know, your parameters. It's so hard. I just want their approval. I just want approval. And it just doesn't <laughs> always feel very good. It doesn't you know? feel good. It doesn't feel good. And, and it's okay to not feel good. It's, it's, a, it's very normal to not feel good about that. Um, and, you know, it depends also on, on the closeness of your relationship. If you feel very close to your in-laws, for example, um, you know, there might be an opportunity to have a sit down and have a chat about it and to really talk through that um, and to express your feelings to them. Um, you know, it might open Pandora's box, but, you know, it just depends on, on your level of comfort um, expressing yourself. If you don't feel comfortable expressing yourself, again, it's it's just constantly practicing that f- that fine dance of being open and accepting of of some of their belief systems, but also knowing that ultimately that your parenting is is the right way to parent your kids, and that your approval is really the only approval you actually need. Yeah, it's so helpful to hear that. I mean, I remember um, you know kind of hearing a parent from a parent that they felt this mix of pride and guilt, you know, when setting boundaries. And I think it's just like you acknowledging that actually helps so much, you know, where even if we're doing the thing that, that we want to do, it still doesn't always feel great. And so do you have any concerns about the impacts of this pandemic on our, you know, babies and toddlers in the longer term? You know, up until the age of two, as you well know, um, Children are really more interested in their toys than each other. And it's not to say that they don't need interaction, but it's kind of more of this like parallel play process. So their interest is in playing sort of like next to other kids or their parents versus like with other kids or their parents. Um, But I think, you know, around age two, three, they start noticing each other. And certainly, obviously, you know, socialization is incredibly important developmentally. I think you know, we don't really know the impact of lost socialization at this point um, and how those those lost opportunities are going to affect our children. But what I do know is that kids are incredibly resilient and malleable and adaptive. And I do know that within this sort of lost socialization, children have gained so much more time with caretakers and loved ones. It's truly been extraordinary how much time now we're sort of forced to all spend together. And so I think within that, there's that silver lining, um, you know, that I think, you know, eventually they will regain normalcy and structure and predictability within their peer groups. Um, But we have to focus on what they can have and what we can provide them right now, which is socialization within the family unit. And, you know, what 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 connections can we have with them? What can we do with our children um, that, you know, creates connectivity, which really is what socialization is about. It's understanding social cues, it's connection, it's, it's um, responsiveness. So all of those things we can still potentially provide for them. And also 
opportunities for free play on their own is really, really important. So don't feel like you have to constantly connect with your child. I mean, it's, it's, it's not just about this consistent um, connectivity too. They need their, their time on their own. So is there anything else, Zilana, that you want to share with parents and families during this unusual holiday season? You know, I think it's not about the gift giving and it's not about, I mean, it's exciting, of course, and great if you can, but, you know, times are tough and there's so many ways to create special, meaningful memories from this holiday season without it being just about, you know, buying things. There's experiences that we can gift our children um, that they will remember for so much longer and will be carved into their hearts so much deeper than anything we can buy them. There's experiences, there's there's do-it-yourself gifts that you can create on your own or with your kids. Um, there's There's so many ways to get creative and just to not be so hard on ourselves as parents right now. You know, this is a really unprecedented time that, you know, we don't, we don't have a manual for, but our children are incredibly resilient and we have the capability of being incredibly resilient as well. Um, so, so gift yourself grace and compassion and forgiveness and be present in this because really, I don't, I hope we're never going to have a time like this again, but I do hope also that we remember the lessons from this time in our lives and, and those kind of infuse our days moving forward as well. So what is one pandemic practice that will serve you longer term? You know, honestly, I'm going to be more protective of my time and energy and relationships. Um, after all this sort of blows over, I think, you know, this time has really highlighted who I want to stay connected with. Um, and you know, the efforts that I made to keep those connections are, have been extraordinary during this time. And I'm going to kind of keep that up. And it's been, it's been really nice to be able to say, no, I can't see you. And, and, and to really carve out the time and attention and energy that I do want to extend versus not. So I'm going to continue to be really, really conscious of of where I place myself and what I say yes to. I am going to do the same. I love that (laughs) answer. Thank you, Zilana. It's been so wonderful having you with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Let's re-examine some of Zilana's perspectives on resilience, gratitude, and setting boundaries. Takeaway number one, there's a misconception in our culture that resilience is about hustling and pushing through. Resilience is really about using challenges to grow and resting and rebooting is an essential piece of it. Resilience is not something we are born with or without. It's like a muscle, something we have to strengthen through practice. Takeaway number two, gratitude doesn't require a journal. There are ways to vocalize your gratitude and doing so in front of your children sets a positive example. When we're able to narrate our resilience practice in front of our children, they pick up on those skills. Articulate the process with your child. Mommy is frustrated, so I'm going to jump up and down five times. Want to join me? Or take a time out and let them know when you return, you'll be calmer. Takeaway number three. Remember that your extended family's perspective is rooted in their own experience. Whatever judgment you feel, it is crucial to remember that their opinions are their own and may be a reflection of how they were parented. 
Setting boundaries can be tricky, and sometimes it doesn't feel good. Ultimately, though, this is your child, so try to tune in to what feels healthy. You can find more mindful parenting tips on the Love Every blog at loveevery.com. You've been listening to My New Life. If you think this episode might be helpful to a fellow parent, please share. And if you'd like to learn more about the topics discussed in today's show, head over to loveevery.com. That's L-O-V-E-V-E-R-Y.com. I'm Jessica Rolfe. Thanks for listening.